Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of In the Zone. This is episode 53. I'm Giancarlo Alino here with Chris Martelli and Anthony Piniello. Guys, let's start off positive today because it's going to be a, a whirlwind of emotions. The Toronto Raptors brought out their retro jerseys back, the white one, the pinstripe with the dino on it. Probably my favorite jersey. And then they got the 95 court with the Raptor in the center, the blue in the inside. Looking great. What did you guys think of this? And uh, their start right now, 3-1 and one this season. What are your positive thoughts on this? And we'll get to the negative later on. Uh, it brought up old T-Mac, Vince Carter vibes yesterday. It was very cool. I liked it. I've always liked the old school court. I think they need to keep that all year. <clears throat> uh, just putting it out there. Uh, great game tonight from Marcus Saul. I thought he... Uh, had to have a bounce back game. Espana's probably been one of our worst offensive players this year to start, so he had to have a good game tonight. Um, yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was a great game. Kyle Lowry's looked pretty good so far to start the year, but again, the biggest question mark going into the year was can Pascal Siakam, you know, live up to the max deal that he's gotten? And so far, you know, he's by far our best player, our most used player. So. I don't know. My biggest my biggest takeaway in the first couple, about week and a half is is Pascal Siakam more than just a most improved player. Is he now a superstar in this league? I think he might be. He's averaging around twenty seven and a half points right now. It's just it's, I don't think it's going to be that high. But uh, Nick Nurse did say that he thinks he could average about six points a game more than last year. And it's definitely probably not out of the question. But yeah, Siakam's been a monster so far. We've been hearing about the the buzz for OG for a while now. Yeah. He's actually started the year. He's in the starting lineup, and uh, he's had a great start too. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. And you know, three and one start for the Raps. The court's amazing. October's been awesome for basketball so far. The one thing that I'm actually kind of weird weirded over is the new additions of Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Like they're not in the lineup at all. They're not playing. Yeah, they're, they're not getting like minutes that. at all. They so didn't take it seriously. They're preseason. Yeah. So apparently, like they're gonna play guys like McCaw and Boucher over an eighth overall pick in Stanley Johnson. So I don't know what's going on there with his mindset. You know, taking it easy in the preseason. I guess no one's down for that. But yeah, um, I really do like OG as well. Like Pinello just said, I think he's gonna have a a breakout year. But he's gonna show all of us what he's really capable of now with Kawhi gone you could call him mini Kawhi I guess he'll he's great on the defensive end he'll get you a lot of steals blocks um and as well his three-point shooting is kind of underrated OG he's uh he's pretty wet from three when he wants to be but um right now I who would you say our best three-point shooter is is it is it Van Fleet yeah Yeah, Van Fleet or Lowry Lowry. yeah those two yeah solid Norm Powell's a little inconsistent from there but when he's on it's good. Then I feel. Off I, the bench. I feel like when Siakam's on, like you can't miss a shot. He's like twelve of sixteen from the floor. Finishes like thirty points, fifteen rebounds. Yeah, those rebound totals are crazy. Because <laughs> we saw some of those games last year in the postseason. Like if Kawhi was like quiet in the third quarter, the fourth, Siakam would just be like, "Okay, I'm not gonna miss. It's okay. <laughs> I got you." So I don't know. I don't know what to expect with this team. I know right now they're three and one. They're probably in second in the Eastern Conference. I don't see them finishing second. I, I said, I think, fourth. But, uh, yeah, right now they can uh, they can finish, I'd say, top three as long as they play like this. But I do want to see Stanley Johnson and uh, Hollis Jefferson. I want to see them in the lineup. I want to see what they can do for, for this team. 
Do you think it's a good sign, good message from Nick Nurse that he's saying, you know what, we're a championship team, and if you coast around, you're not going to play. It's going to make Stanley Johnson commit himself. Because Hollis Jefferson was just brought in probably to come off the bench anyways, but a guy like Stanley Johnson, think this is going to be good for his development or might have a bad... It's, it's funny because I watched the 2015 draft like live, and uh, Stanley Johnson, when he got drafted, I thought this guy was going to be like a Jimmy Butler. like He was going to be a two-way monster and he was pretty good with uh detroit like in his career there playing around 20 minutes a night great two-way guy there but again averaging like seven points a game there like he didn't have that offensive potential i guess coming here it is a good message for nick nurse because you know Kawhi leonard leaves danny green leaves and all of a sudden no the raptors are the champs but realistically are they really champions they lost arguably their two most impactful players in the postseason i mean danny green had that one game he dropped like 30 in golden state remember he just couldn't miss from three but yeah i think uh it's a good it's a good message from nick nurse he has to go out there and prove that the guys that haven't been on the team it's like we're all a very close group we're all it's basically the same team just get rid of Kawhi and danny green so they're all very close knit together and bringing Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis in and they didn't take it seriously. You know what? If they're not going to take it seriously, don't give them the playing time. So now they got to earn it. So good for Nick Nurse. So now let's go to the negative portion here because Golden State, just when you think it got bad when Kawhi closed out their Oracle Arena in Game 6 of the NBA Finals, they open up their new arena and Kawhi just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> destroys that opening night demolish demolish them. them and then golden state lose they're struggling they finally win a game but what are your thoughts on this uh whole golden state starting disaster i'm a golden state fan i wouldn't look too far into that it is ironic how just all of that happened it's it's hilarious to just hear and all that but you know you got steph there you get a lot of pieces. I would really would not worry that you're still an all-star studded team. But the way it ended and the way it started is the most ironic thing ever. And that, as a Raps fan, just hilarious. I think the whole league is laughing at Golden State. And I think it's appropriate because they've had their time for a while now. And I think even Steph knows because I saw a picture, I think it was two days ago when they lost to the Clippers. They were down 110 to 70. And you see Steph on the bench, like, like smiling and like laughing. And it's like, <laughs> all right, I guess this is what getting blown out feels like. So <laughs> he hasn't lost a lot in his career. And now he's, he's now been losing and D'Lo coming in. He has been, he hasn't been good. I mean, coming right into a different system. It, last game, they beat the Pelicans. I don't know how they beat the Pelicans. I didn't think they would, but they did. Uh, they averaged like I think they scored 130 points, but they're one of the worst defensive teams right now in the league. Steph Curry doesn't know how to play D that well. Draymond he can't do it all by himself, and D'Lo can't play D either. So they're gonna average. They're gonna let a lot of points in. I still think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're gonna miss the playoffs, even though there's teams like Utah and Denver coming up. But yeah, I'm not worried with. I think Steph laughing it that just proves all along that. He's not even worried yet. It's four games in the season. He hasn't even had the best start himself. So I think once he gets going, he's a potential MVP candidate. So I'm not worried with Golden State. When it comes to the playoffs with Golden State, how do you guys view them? Are they still that same threat to go deep? Or are they now just, they're a lot for the playoffs, but we'll see. If 
Yeah, it's one of those where they could probably beat a Portland. They could probably maybe get around a Houston, maybe. But if you face the Clippers and if you face the Lakers, I don't see them beating them. Especially you don't have KD anymore that could balance out LeBron or and then you have you have to add Davis now, no, and then you have to add Paul George and Pat Beverly and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's a monster in the playoffs, so yeah, I don't know. I think if they add, I think eventually D'Angelo Russell will get traded at the deadline, even though he signed like a three or four year deal. They're just gonna snake him out and trade him away. It depends if Clay plays this year, because yeah. apparently there's rumors now he might not even he might not even yeah, play just, in the playoffs. Yeah. It wasn't in nine to ten months though. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, but the, yeah, but that that's that's uh, he would be he'd be eligible to come back for the playoffs. But the the so GM from last season. Right? Yeah, 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 but the, yeah, he'd be ready around April. All but right. the GM said no. I don't know if we want to play him at all this year. Was torn ACL though? He might be like depending on how the recovery goes, the playoffs would be realistic. But if they trade D'Angelo Russell and get like elite level backup guys maybe not as good of a player as d'angelo russell but two serviceable guys i think they could maybe get to a second round but they're not winning anything this year no i think they even know it deep down i think they know that it's not they're not gonna this year's uh let's uh just go out the first or second round have an early summer for once and then come back next year strong i mean it's pretty funny because we say that the nba is more competitive than it is that it has been in a long time and we're still here talking about golden state <laughs> still here talking about curry and seeing if they could win a title i don't see it but never say never because the raptors won last year that's crazy you were, before the pod you're bringing up how milwaukee is leading the league and average amount of points per game so if we're looking at the east now who are your dangerous threats like your top to really make a run here I'm going to go. I've been sticking with these four teams the last two years. I'm going with Philly 1. They have been really good. Ben Simmons now wants to start making threes. If that becomes a constant thing, he could he could be an MVP type player. Um, Joel Embiid, he, he'll play like 60 games, but when he plays, he'll stuff the stat sheet. Uh, they got Tobias Harris, who's been playing well. They got Al Horford, who was he might have been Boston's best player last year two years ago so I'm gonna go with the Sixers going to the finals I think they're probably the best team in the east and then you can't count you can't cancel out uh, Milwaukee with Giannis but I'm also gonna uh it's it's kind of a surprise but Brooklyn right now looks pretty solid with Kyrie and if KD comes back before the season's over that's a scary team so I'm gonna go with those three for now no no Toronto no Toronto are we just the tier after? Just the tier after. I'm thinking, like, when you look at the East, it's a little more closed off because you were saying those three, four teams. So I, f- I first thought, honestly, Philly and Milwaukee. I honestly cannot see anyone else creeping up there. So I think either Philly or Milwaukee is probably heading to the finals. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Boston surprised a few teams because you have Kemba Walker, who is clutch, and you have Gordon Hayward, who is now a year and a half after his injury so i think he should actually improve as well and then jalen brown and tatum and i hope these guys actually get a little better because they're still kind of raw i don't know boston to me like they can do it if they really wanted to i could see boston finishing higher than the raptors in the standings but 
I still, yeah, I, I really do think the Sixers, when I look at their lineup, they're terrifying. Are so. they the best overall team in the East? I think once they got Horford, that kind of put them yeah. there. Yeah, like you look at their starting five, and I think I told you guys like in the summer, like their starting five, their average height is like six seven. Like they're just huge, and they're mean, and they're defensive. And as well, like if Ben Simmons starts making threes, like that's just saying a lot. And... Um, even, like, when they traded Jimmy Butler to get, like, a guy like a Josh Richardson, he's kind of like a Butler, but he's also younger, and I think he actually has a little more offensive upside when you think about it because Butler, he'll get you, like, 19. You know, he had that one year. He he averaged, like, 24, but that was when Derrick Rose was, like, out all year, and he had all the fucking uh, ball time in the world. So he's going to put up numbers like that in Miami uh, now, uh, Jimmy, but... Josh Richardson is one of the most intriguing ads any team could have made this year, and the Sixers got him, and wow. I don't know how they got him, but they did, and uh, yeah, they're they're scary. I I say they're going to come first in the East over Milwaukee. It's my my prediction. Yeah, I got Milwaukee and Philly, but should be interesting that those are the two teams that are probably the biggest threat, but let's go to the rink, guys, because the Leafs have been playing a little – Soft, as Enzo and Big Cass used to say. S-A-W-F-T. Oh. They had that on the Jumbotron. I think the whole crowd would sing along with it, even Babcock. But uh, <laughs> if you were to see this team, the way they're playing, what can they even do? They have 300K. Uh, yeah, 300K in cap space. You can't really call anyone up, so how do you address this issue? I mean... Uh, so right now they sit in eighth place in the East. The team that's behind them is Tampa Bay. So I feel like us as Leaf fans, we shouldn't be as harsh as other fans. If I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I'm scratching my head. Like, how the hell do I only have five wins? And, like, that's just not good enough. Um, but, yeah, the Leafs, they have a losing record the last 10, 4, 5, 1. But... I don't really know what to say. It feels like when there's some guys that are just out of the lineup, their whole team just feels off. And that is John Tavares when he's not in the lineup. It's just, it's a big loss to the team. And he, it's just, I don't like they're He's meshing the lines up. He's changing them up. But yeah, like you have to put some grit maybe on that top line, try and mix it up. Like I know they did the Trevor Moore. He was on the top line for like a game and then that was it. But you might have to might have to try that out for maybe a couple more games because John Tavares, I don't know when he's coming back. I know Dermott's coming back tonight, so they already got to make some changes in the lineup. Um, but, yeah, hopefully Dermott coming back as well could actually bring – he brings a little more grit to the back end. At least I, I'd like to hope, even though he's coming off a shoulder injury, he's probably going to be a little bit cautious. But, yeah, like – I was saying before the paw went up, Matthew, six foot three, two twenty. I know it's he's not the type of guy to hit. It's your fourth year in the league. Start hitting. Start getting in the corners. Try and hit a little more. Guys like Kapanen, you could try and hit. I like they forecheck really hard. You know, they don't use their body as much. But just look at the fourth line. Look what they do. Look at Trevor Moore, Freddie Gauthier, Nick Shore, Jason Spezza, in and out of the lineup. They bring that grit. I think the Leafs I said last year. At the trade deadline, they should have gotten. They should have looked at a guy like a Michael Furland. They didn't do it. I still think they're regretting that decision. That's what I got. It's like no one's saying to drop the gloves or 
you have to act tough and go out of your comfort zone or any of that. But like when teams play the Leafs, I feel like no one's scared. It's like they feel excited because when they like it's like a board battle with Nylander, like every time the other guy's coming out with the puck because no one has that. Like I don't think it's in their DNA. So when it comes when you the original question, like I don't think they can do anything about it. Honestly, like Tavares, he's obviously a superstar. He's gonna help. And Dermot's a good player. Hyman will be the closest thing because he's he, he's a fucking savior right now because he's the only guy on the Leafs that plays that type of style. So we we need about three more Hymans. So uh, it would have been Connor Brown would have been one yeah, of them. Honestly, I like they're gonna keep rolling out the same type of style. I think uh, it's. This is the way they built their team. Unless they make a trade, really, I don't, I don't see anything changing. Can you can you see Mikheyev improve his role in like as a Hyman, like as the season goes on, or do you see him still more as that skilled? Uh, it's hard to tell because he is a big guy. Yeah. So he, he kind of said. I think I said last week he reminds me like a Kuhlman, so he's kind of like a two way guy. But we're only a couple weeks in, and we're still trying to figure him out. But yeah, the team's just way too soft. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's not wrong. Like, Dubas built this team off of size, not size, of skill. And we drafted Marner and Nylander for a reason. We wanted skill at the time. We got our skill now, and we're getting bullied everywhere. We're losing every battle, majority of them. And then there's guys like Muzzin and Riley, who every game, they're getting <laughs> bruised and battered because they have to take all the hits. And that's why guys like Muzzin, guys like Hyman, they're very, very valuable to this team. And that's why when Hyman comes back, anyone is uh, d- is uh, in danger of losing their job. So I have no idea who it will be. It's probably going to be, I'll say Timoshav will probably get sent down. But oh, I'm, uh, never know. I like Timoshav. I think they'll hold yeah, on to him. I think Patan, uh, I really don't know why he's on the team. Cause I like, see. I didn't even count. I didn't even include him. I didn't count him. So Dude I didn't think he was like, on the team. I thought he was down. He's in, he's, is he in the press box then the whole yeah. time? Never uh, plays? Every other game, yeah. Oh, my God. Dubas okay. probably went to Babs and said, please use this guy. He's solid. And, like, he's, he's out there five minutes a game. He gets no time. Like, I honestly feel like they're wasting him. I think he can be a player somewhere. I it's do, too. It's very Frankie Corrado from, like, oh, three years ago. Remember that? It's like, what are you doing? Do you think that they should sacrifice Kapanen right now and trade him for, like, a low pick and then call up, like, Schwartz or Schmaltz from the minors? Get guys like that, Ben Harper, sandpaper guys, Rich Clune. Oh. <laughs> Give him a one year, one uh, million dollar thing, or like, what else can you do with this team? I'm like I said before. I think they really goofed at the deadline last year. I think they could have gotten like a like a Furland, a Simmons. They could have gotten, I think. A very affordable guy that can bring you grit to your team, even if it's like a bottom six forward, which it probably would have been. Um, but yeah, like the top six, you're not touching it. You're not fucking with it all year. Like it's basically staying the same. Uh, you could move Janssen, Kappen, and Hyman. Like you could fluctuate those three, but other than that, it's probably going to be the same top six. You could maybe see Trevor Moore, see some top six because. The last couple games, I actually haven't seen him at all. Like, he hasn't been the same Trevor Moore from the beginning of the year. The Leafs, I think they do need to make a trade. But, like, we've been saying that every single year, and the result has stayed the same. It's been a first-round exit. I think if they face Boston with this team, 
I don't know if it's going to cut it because it's basically the same team. We actually lost a couple gritty players like Connor Brown. I loved him. I think I mentioned this. I said to this guy the other day, he's got 10 points in 11 games with the <laughs> Ottawa Senators. Not really surprised. Um, he's an offense. He had 100 and 100 plus in the O. Twice. Yes, he played with McDavid, but still he does have that offensive instinct and his IQ is there. But I could go on and on about this, but the Leafs do need a they need a tough nose player. A couple more Hymans, I'll say. Oh, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> what do you think Babcock and Dubas are talking about in the morning? Because one wants a team one way, the other wants it the total opposite. They must just clash every single morning. And Brendan Shanahan probably has to be like a referee and say, oh, it's okay, Babs. We'll try. Dubas, it's I feel okay. Like, I feel like Shanahan always like kind of takes Babs' side over Dubas. That's just my opinion. Well, I mean, he's got how old is Dubis? Thirty-one. Babs has been he's in the young. game how long? Yeah, he's. That's why. But, uh, just a big dysfunctional family. Well, he also he he <laughs> takes it. He's take he takes a different approach too. He looks at like analytics and shit, and whereas Babcock is like, no, you're a good hardworking player. I'm just gonna put you out there. Yeah, but he, you know, he's a hard-nosed coach, and he's a veteran guy, so he has an idea of how he wants to run this team. But I don't think he realizes that he doesn't have the type of players to run the team that he's been running. Uh, yeah, it's a diff- it's a different like show. It's a completely different league. So now. like, I'm listening to him in interviews, and he's talking about, like it's I'm getting Brian Burke flashbacks, and I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, how the the, the thing you're saying is the opposite from what these guys are producing. <laughs> so it may not be your fault, but maybe it's just not a good fit because it like. A lot of people are saying that Babcock may get fired. It's not even... It's not his fault. It's nothing to do with him. It's just the team in front of him. They're a very exciting team, but there's no no grit to them. No truculence. That's why they they want the other guy to to take over. Who is it? It was the Marley's coach. Sheldon Keefe. Keefe. They want him to take over. Best buds with uh, Dubas. (laughs) They'll have a little analytics squad built up. Can you even trade a coach? Is that like a thing? You could, but you would have to get fired first, and then you have to trade like his rights. Yeah, trade his rights. Five million dollar contract. You want it? We broke that mold. We gave him five mil for eight years. Came out, everyone lost their shit. And Buffalo thought, oh, he screwed us over. Let's go up to Toronto and question him about it. And he's like, oh, my character, he don't do that. <laughs> well, well, I have bad news for Leaf fans. We're facing Washington tonight. Oh, and they're 6-1-1 one one away. So Beat us last time? Yeah. So who's fighting Ovechkin tonight? Ooh, the GOAT. <laughs> yeah, the GOAT, yeah. Freddie. <laughs> it's definitely not Matthews. Like, with Babcock, though, like, is he in a wrong era? Like, does he think it's 2008 or... Does he need to get with the times? I just would think by now this is, what, his fourth year coaching this team? Fifth year? Fourth or fifth, yeah. He's, he's into oh, it. Yeah. Like he's, he's been in it for a while now, and he's seen these guys like actually develop as skilled guys. So I don't know how he still looks at Willie and describes like a gritty play. or It's like, no, Willie is not that player. You saw him get drafted. You've coached him the last four years of his career. How... How are you saying that he's a gritty player or he can be like, no, he can't. I just think his mindset is just not his mindset hasn't evolved, which which is not good. Like he's he's sticking to the status quo that he's been sticking with for his whole coaching career. But yet the game is elevating and his thoughts are just so this is him and this is the game now. 
Sounds about right. So it's like he sees Kapanen on the ice, and in his mind, when he looks at when he looks at Matthews, (laughs) he wants to see like a Lindros, but he can't. It's just the same size, yeah, same player. He sees Janssen. He wants to see Applicator. (laughs) He sees Kapanen. He wants to see Tucker. Like it's just it's funny. I don't know. And then he probably thinks Riley Lidstrom. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's Riley Chelios. I just the only thing he uh, makes me nervous with is he doesn't do in-game adjustments. Oh yeah, no at all, no nothing. He'll set the lineup and that's the fucking lineup. Yeah, that's it. Nothing's changing. Well, yeah. no, because when when I watch the Minnesota game and then they put Trevor Moore on the top line, I'm like, this guy's changing the lineup mid-game. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, someone go to the back and like someone's yeah game yeah up some, for a yeah someone get hurt. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Matthews and Marner together. What's this? And oh, he got pulled off right away. It's like if if you're already losing. Like, why not try something out for the next game? But you could already tell, though, that the Leafs are soft when you just look at their penalty kill. Look who's on yeah. their penalty kill. Marner and Kapanen. That's intimidating. God, that is... I like Mitch there just because all the, pl- all, the, all the best teams have their best players killing penalties. It's just like there is no grit whatsoever. Like, even if there was a loose puck battle... And it's because usually when you when you're on the penalty kill and there's any sort of like loose battle or like a guy's near you, you're gonna go and try and battle and dump the puck out. But with you have a guy like a Marner and a Kapanen on a guy like a Kopitar in the corner, again, like, you're not winning that, and they're gonna keep possession in our zone. So yeah. I think you need a, I think you need a, I mean every every team wants a Bergeron and a Kopitar and an O'Reilly. Like that's just you want that on your team, but the Leafs need. They need more grit badly. They need it. So the, like keep you could keep Marner. You could keep Marner on the penalty kill, but you need like a guy like a like a Gauthier to kind of like even that. Fuck, you can't have a captain and a Marner. Just taking the draw there. So a question for you guys then. They need grit. Do you give Dion Phaneuf a PTO? <laughs> How about Luke Shen? Oh, how about a guy that's in the system? We call out Davy Clarkman. Put him in the lineup. How about Nathan Horton? Oh, there we're God. set. It's back. <laughs> God. I can't believe I laughed. I'm sorry. That's those type of guys, though. Yeah. yeah. Like they would have been perfect <laughs> for Babcock. We. Uh, I want to say we should take into account that Austin Matthews is 21 years old, and Mitch Marner's 21 years old, Nylander's 22, and uh, yeah, they are very soft, and that's the style they play. And you know, we'll see how they develop, but that's just it. They're all still developing. I just feel like they that Babcock should have, as like a coach, he should have tried to adjust their games to be a little more, especially Matthews. He's got the size. If I'm Babcock, I'll be like, listen, I know how skilled you are. I know how talented you are, your shot. I just want you to go in the corners, use your fucking shoulders and actually hit because you are a big dude. I know you've had shoulder injuries. Just fucking get stronger. Just just go up and face wash someone. Like, like just be like, that's not going to fly here. Not to, you don't have to fucking cross-check him into the boards and be like, me and you were fighting. No, just just send a message. Make a statement. That's Some what, sort yeah. of way. Babcock should just go up to one of their stalls. i go to Kapanen <laughs> and say, you don't fight tonight. It's 25K in, game, in uh, team suspension. You have to go to the meanest guy on the other team, knuckle up, <laughs> see Kapanen. I'm not going to lie. I think the guy that would do that is Spezza. Oh. By default, I think yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think I think I think he would be Spezza, the guy that would like you see like face wash and say, okay, there he is, there's the vet. 
the guy that Babs doesn't even like. Dude, this yeah. team is so weird. Yeah, it's just I don't. But why does he not like Spezza? I can't even. He's the it. most experienced guy in the league, and Babcock is probably the guy that relates with Spezza the most. I and think, yet uh, you don't like him. I think really it just comes. You look at his foot speed, because he's at that age now, and he has declined over the last few years. You look at him as a player, though he's still super smart, and the hands are still he's there. One of the best centers in the league. He makes plays like faceoffs. Every, he makes plays. Every, I think last year he was leading the league in faceoffs. He finished it's first. Amazing. Like you could still put him in situations. Like he's still that guy. He's just the feet aren't with his hands now. But on the fourth line, I, th- I think he's still a player for us. Yeah. Damn. It still baffled me how he didn't play opening night. That that was baffling. I think it's because Dubas wanted him. Still, I'm still Bear on Cuck that. Didn't. So that's why he's just gonna hate him. Yeah, but Nick Shore didn't even play a game in the NHL last year. He was in the K. Why are you playing him over fucking a a 17 year vet? Okay, Who do whatever you want. One of the elite centers in the game at one time. He helped Heatley get 50 in 07. Carried that line with Alfredson and Heatley. That is the most Stanley hated. That's my yeah. most hated team all time. Yeah, me too. I fucking hate that team. Chris that Phillips. Phillips. The fact that they went to the fucking finals. Fuck them. They lost. <laughs> Dominic Hatch. Screw them. Assholes. Oh, the Ducks that no one's beating the Ducks. That Alfredson, <laughs> Heatley. Fuck you. They have Chris Phillips and Wade Redden getting 50 <laughs> points each. Fuck you. Wade Redden, I remember him. Then he went to the Rangers. Chris Phillips, Wade Redden, a young Eric Carlson. No, no, he wasn't even drafted yet. Never mind. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that was like three years before then. Oh, <laughs> seven. They went to the – I can't believe that was the, that was the finals. The Ducks yeah. and the Sens. That just – Come ugh. back to me in 50 years. We'll see where they're at. Bobby Ryan. Oh. He's making headlines. Oh, yeah, let's talk about him quick. Healthy scratch. Where's his career heading? Uh, he's he's yeah. yeah he's like the new Thomas Vanek he's gone now like Vanek uh, Vanek doesn't even have a job. I just love the uh, who was our old assistant coach Ottawa's head coach now. He made the comment. Uh, Smith. Yeah. Like DJ the, DJ Smith. The twentieth hardest working guys are going out there tonight, and that was the night Bobby Ryan got scratched. I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> it's too bad because this guy was. I mean, hot shot in Anaheim, so much fun to watch. And then since that trade to Ottawa, I've said it to you ever since. Just drastically going down year by year. I I think what really made him go down was the Team USA demotion and not making it. Do you remember that? 2014? He didn't yeah, make yeah. the team and he was like flat out insulted. He's like, how did I not make it? And then Brian Burke, I think at the time, was doing the team. And he's like, yeah, you just, just weren't good enough. Remember who made it over him? Just, no, who did? Blake Wheeler. Just made it over him. Who didn't really play because he was still... You know, he was uh, he was breaking out. He was like 27. Yeah, yeah. That was when he was starting to age like fine wine. Over so there. he'll get Jason Spezza minutes on Team USA. So Bobby Ryan, <laughs> if you think it's his contract though, or they just he's just not good enough to even play? In the oh game? my God, that that just adds insult to injury. His game is not good either anymore. But just then you look at the contracts, like that's just a bonus. Fuck. It's pretty similar to Spezza. The contract's brutal, but if he was like. If he was fourth line on another team and he was, you know, helping the young guys along the way, his head is still there and his hands are still there. But, you know, similar to Spezza, you can't really skate anymore. And, uh, you know, he's up there in age and the injuries have taken a toll for sure. So his I hope he's speed, got something. Yeah, his foot play. speed might be worse than Spezza's. Oh, he's man. got – That's rough. He's got no speed, man. I'm I, Like, I'm sorry. It sucks because he went second overall, but, like, he has no foot speed. It's been an all-star for years. Yeah. Like, he had those, like, five straight great years in Anaheim, and then 
yeah, that's it. Like, that's literally it. Sometimes it happens. You don't have the career you want. Remember the trade to Ottawa and that happened. We're like, fuck, they're going to light us up like crazy even more now. Yeah. Silverberg <laughs> goes the other way. Was that right when they yeah. got – wasn't that when they just traded Zibanejad too? It was like a completely Oof. different team. So, yeah, we'll yeah, trade Zibanejad, yeah. get Broussard, get Ryan. I'm like, oh. It went okay. to the conference Broussard. final, I think, or was that the year? No, that was that was the year they faced the the Rangers and lost. That was the Rangers went to the finals. It may have just gone Turris around that time. Yeah, that like they 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 went to seven against the Rangers, and then the Rangers went to the finals that year. Got killed by the Kings. Just got killed. Played Pittsburgh and filled the thrill. Got Pittsburgh (laughs) over the hump. It was a close one. That Ranger team was actually like outstanding. Now that I'm thinking about it, they had Eric Stahl, Rick Nash, Martin St. Louis. Like Lundqvist, Eric Stahl was awful. They had they had Keith Yandel, they had uh, McDonough, Girardi, uh, Callahan. Callahan? No, did they? No, they traded St. Louis for Callahan straight up, one for one. That was a year. That was awful trade. Still have Broussard and Kreider at that point or no? Uh, No, Broussard went to Ottawa for Zabanejad. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun year. Was it wait? Broussard was on that team, though. It was way before the trade. Was Broussard on the Ranger team? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was, yeah. Those yeah. Main, I think those him and Stephon were one yeah. Oh, yeah, it was those two. And then you had Rick Nash and thing on the wing, Eric Stahl. You know, I don't think they have Gabrick then. That was after the trade. They did have Gabrick that year. <laughs> Damn. And they had Brad Richards. You throw Lundqvist. And they had Brian like Boyle. Yeah, that was their best chance, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Lundqvist in the... Now he's dipped a little well, bit. Who's the name of the pass that they had in 2014? He did really well that playoff. Benoit Pouliot. Oh, oh my wow, God. Yeah. That's a blast of a pass. There <laughs> it is. Also, before we go to the WWE, quickly talk about this red-hot team, the New York Islanders. Seven straight wins. Are you surprised? They're going to Because the tavares list era of the Islanders has gone really well, surprisingly. Hasn't been as bad as uh, people think. They're oh. eight and three now. Yeah, they got Leo Komarov on the other on the end of the deal. So that was a <laughs> one for one trade that worked out. What do you guys think Barzell's ceiling is? Number one center, point producing machine. Okay. Very so. similar to like Nick Backstrom type stats. <sighs> yeah, just all assists. I don't know. It'll be hard to see if he can. I don't want to say carry a team. It's not basketball. He's going to need a lot around him, but I think he'll be that all-star type player. Yeah, because he's elevated his game. He's The last three, four games I've seen him, he's looked like that highlight real player we saw from two years ago. He's looking really good. And, uh, yeah, the Islanders got to thank the Oilers for revamping their rebuild big time. Shit. Give some love to their management. Who the hell do they have after Barzell at center, like realistically, like long term? Like uh, nobody. Nah, no one. Who's in there now? Is Nelson they have Brock center? Nelson. They have good player. Beauvillier can play center, but like not to that level. They got Wallstrom. Is he center? Yeah, but he's like, I don't know when he's gonna play. Maybe two years. You said long term. I did two years, <laughs> three. I don't know. I don't know how long, how good he's gonna be because I'm still waiting on Dante Fabro or not Dante Fabro. Um, the guy that went in 2016, Kiefer Bellows. I'm still waiting for him oh, to do yeah. something. He hasn't done anything. They got some names in there. Dal Cole finally is playing. Made the team out of camp. They got Noah Dobson on D. He's solid. He's scary. He's going to be good. Pulak. Yeah, Pulak is also good. Him, apparently. Pulak or yeah, Dobson? To take over for Pulak. 
Well, yeah, Letty's not going to fucking do it. It was solid <laughs> last year, and it was like, oh, this is good. This is, you know, he's progressing, and now this is the year. Where it's like, but we've okay. been hearing it with Pulak, though, for two years now. For fantasy, I've been hearing it for two years. It's like, okay, take him now. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, Pulak and Theodore, are, to me, are in the exact same boat. It's like, okay, take him now. For okay, fantasy, now, now take him. For okay. fantasy, I think, but, you know, Theodore, too, is in the same boat. This yeah. is the year where it's like, okay, you're it's heavily your team. relied on yeah. Yeah. with this group. Now you got to produce... I don't like. I'm really surprised with the standings right now. Like Buffalo's still in first place. Eichel's been one of the best players in the league. Darlene, he's taking a big step forward. But still, one of the biggest surprises for me. We got to talk about this team because they went to the conference last year and they're still doing well this year. Carolina, like, what is it with this team? Is it just the team chemistry? Is it like the coaching? Like, what is it? Because like they're look at their team on paper. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's not the greatest. And uh, their D are absolutely solid. You know, you have Slavin, you have TVR, who is apparently not even in the lineup on a consistent basis. You have Hayden Fleury. Dougie Hamilton has like 14 points already. So what is it with this Carolina team that's do you think makes them so successful? They're 7-3-1 and one to start the year. They remind me of the Leafs, but they play a little more physically dominant game. And it's funny because you're looking at the players and you may not think that, but they play very fast paced. They finish their checks. Um, we were saying before when they got a guy like Calvin DeHaan, they're like, oh, he'll fit in their system because the D really moved the puck up the ice. I know it's a popular and funny saying, but their D really, uh, when you watch Carolina, their, their D are a very big reason for that. They push the puck up and they have great forwards and their power play has been amazing. And I really don't know. The record is still a mystery. Like I knew they were good. I didn't think they'd be top of the league to start. But I didn't think they would even be a playoff team this year. I thought this would be like okay, cool. The Jets, like, like kind of like what Vegas was. It's like okay, like Carolina had a great year. It's not happening again. And then wow, come right out the gate. Out of all guys that have actually been cold for them, it's Aho, and they're still seven three one. Guys like Svechnikov are just. They've taken already their approach to stardom. He went second overall, too. Let's not forget that because everyone forgets that. But then you have guys like Jordan Stahl who are actually producing. You have another guy like a – I don't know why they treated Niederreiter for Victor Rask one for one. But that – like Niederreiter's a player. He's a great player. He'll get you 30 goals. They stole Eric Halla from that team, too. Oh, oh he's yeah. oh he's solid, too. He had that great year, though, two years ago in Vegas. Didn't he have 55 points that year? Yeah, he's a lot he's of a, speedsters there. He's a great player. <laughs> I, Turvinen, too. I like Fogel. I like him there. I like Martinuk. Guys like that. They're gritty. They can just eat up, like, 12 minutes a night, be gritty. That's it. That's what you need. Uh, what did they trade uh, Furlan for? Was that Pigs? Or? I was, yeah, it was a second. Damn. That was the one thing I didn't like that they did. Actually, I don't think they traded him. I think he walked. I think he was a free agent. I think he was a UFA. I think he walked. And then Van signed him for four-something? They were – okay, I think what happened was, yeah, Furlan was – he walked. And then uh, Justin Williams retired. So that okay. cap space for – I think they got Dahan with that, with the cap space there. And then they, they – I don't know. I think they got someone else. Right. Maybe Halla. There it is. Maybe Halla. They <laughs> – yeah. They added, and I don't know, but, like, Tara Vinen to me still kills me because, like, everyone's like, okay, he had a career year last year, and then he just keeps getting better, too. He's kind of like a Lindholm for me. Like, like it's like, okay, like, you think, like, he's going to stop, and he just keeps getting better. <laughs> like, 
that's why I still don't understand the Lindholm trade to this day. The Calgary, like, I don't understand it, but it's worked out for both teams. Dougie is looking amazing now. Noah Hannafin's looking pretty good. And then, of course, Elias Lindholm just having a breakout year. So, it's a good pro. You're <laughs> <laughs> going fifth overall. Good pro. And, uh, yeah, fuck the Bruins. They've only lost one game, but I don't want to talk about them. So, yeah. Tuka Rask having an unreal start. He can die. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no. But, uh, yeah, uh, when it comes to the guys that are in dead last, it's actually not a surprise. It is the Kings and it's the Devils right now that are – actually, the Devils being in last, is it surprising for you? Uh, my rule is I don't look at the standings until Christmas. Okay. Because yeah, one team will be in 30th. Well, the Blues were in dead last in January, so, yeah, that's true. Like, you, you'll have well, – the Devils, what are they, 30th? Yeah, they have two wins in nine games. So win three games in a row and they'll be 12th. So <laughs> I gotta wait till like December or January, and then maybe I'll start looking into it. Okay, well we will wait and see. I'm gonna make a bold prediction now. I say the Red Wings come dead last at the end of the year. That's my prediction. I'm sticking with Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna stick Not with Ottawa. So Ottawa I don't want to see LA. Lafreniere go there. Oh no, he won't. Fourth. No, you go to, <laughs> yeah, I'll go to Edmonton. No, I'll go to Edmonton. Edmonton, they're eight three and one. They're gonna finish third last. Oh yeah, that Colorado. Yeah, just somehow again. Colorado's in first right now in the league. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find a way. Or sorry, second behind Buffalo. Buffalo's in first in the league. This is what I'm saying. We gotta wait. Yeah, we do gotta wait. First and second. We do gotta wait. That's funny. That's funny saying that. But now we gotta go to the ring. Gotta talk about Crown Jewel. Can't wait for that. I'm. uh, So this is where Chris turns on his um, his rant button. So. We talked a little bit about it last week, and now there's a couple more matches added. So the 20-man battle royal for the U.S. title shot is opening. I, I don't know who's in it. You're probably expecting names like Apollo Cruz, Andrade, Buddy Murphy, Cedric, R-Truth. As Humberto, though, like one of the favorites to win this? I'm going to go with Buddy Murphy still to win it. Have a match with AJ, but I wouldn't be surprised if they carry over that match from Raw with Humberto Carrillo and AJ Styles. I think I'm with that. You go with Buddy? He's bad. No, no, sorry, my bad. Humberto? <laughs> Humberto, yeah. Um, yeah, you look at these battle royals and like no one's ever announced, and you just see it's for the US title, so you have an idea of who's going to be in it, like you said. So, uh, yeah, they had the match on Raw. Thought it was solid. Why not keep it going and uh, boost another start? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a joke here and don't kill me. It's pretty funny. I'm gonna say Sin Cara wins this. No, already. Yeah, I'm gonna say Sin Cara wins this and then he loses to AJ Styles in a pretty fun match. <laughs> the reason being, Sin Cara has not been around for four years and now all of a sudden he's gonna make a re like a reappearance and be featured every week. Something's gotta give here. I feel like Sin Cara might pull a miracle out of his ass and. How many Saudi Arabia will be in that match with AJ. Does AJ regress a neck injury? Uh, I think he's gonna. Injury? I think he's gonna break Sin Cara's neck on the fucking uh, phenomenal, not phenomenal forearm, the Styles clash and break his neck. They had a risky spot on Raw where I forgot that girl is a Carolina. Well, she jumped off the trampoline, went to the rope. She's standing there, and Sin Cara's <laughs> turn to come up. Like, this is a, not going to end well. He's going to jump off the trampoline. He's going to skin her head, and she's going to get a concussion. in the face. Something's going to happen. Yeah, you know what? I'm going Sin Cara, just because. He hasn't been featured, and it's WWE. This could be like a warning. It's like, we're warning you now. Sin Cara is being featured now. He's getting a push. Let's do it. I'm going like to go with Sin Cara. That's bold, too. That is bold. 
Um, but yeah, Humberto would not be surprised. <laughs> Up next we got is Mansoor, who is the Saudi Arabian wonder kid. He's taken on one of the most humble guys in professional wrestling, Cesaro. Is this safe to say that Cesaro's taking the pinfall? It's pretty straightforward uh, setup here. She's going to pop the crowd. It's going to be a standard match. Cesaro's a beauty. Uh, it'll give the kids some a lot, a lot of confidence. Remember from last year when he won the Battle Royal and the place just went fucking crazy, so it should be the same thing again. Imagine Cesaro just squashed him in two minutes and left. <laughs> what if he just swung him for the two minutes? And, <laughs> and then it's over. Just see them boo. We want to cut deal right now. They just get the check, rip it up in front of Vince McMahon. But, yeah, Monster's going to win after like a 10-minute back-and-forth match. They're going to have all the fireworks go off, make it look like a big deal. And then on to the next one. Definitely, yeah. I've, I agree with that. I, I don't see Cesaro winning it. Like, no, not, it's not Poor happening. Guy. Uh, up next we have is the tag team turmoil match again this looks like a absolute clusterfuck you have like 12 teams here um basically any tag team ever the only thing is now that xavier woods is out a whole year with an achilles tear which is like one of the damn that's one of the worst injuries you can get um so now it's going to just be kofi and biggie in this one I was going to say they were going to win, but I think I'm aiming towards the Viking Raiders winning this match now because they're probably the most important uh, tag team right now in WWE. I'm going to go Viking Raiders because it's uh, even though they're the Raw Tag Team Champions, they had a squash match against local jobbers. Why would you have your champions squash local jobbers? Everyone knows who they are. You put the belts on them. You're rolling with them. It's not a prove-yourself kind of thing. I think they need, even though it's... I don't know if they're going to bring half this stuff back with them to North America. So, like, if they give them this huge win, the Viking Raiders, I hope they explode from here. Yeah. I think the OC will take this one. Uh, I think Kofi and Big E are going to be in it. If it's, like, an elimination-style match, Kofi and Big E are probably going to start. Kofi's going to be that baby face that they're going to get behind. Big E will probably be injured. And Kofi goes through every single team. Probably see the Viking Raiders get DQ'd to save them. And... The OC, just when you think Kofi's going to get it done, they'll pin Kofi, and hopefully it'll lead to a heel turn for Big E, and him and Kofi go at it one-on-one. So the thing with this is the winner of this actually gets a trophy. It's kind of like the World Cup thing. So, uh, you know what? It, yeah, like it, To me, it's either the New Day or it's the Viking Raiders. It's one of the two, because the New Day, we all know how over they are. And I can just picture the New Day with the trophy yeah. celebrating. Yeah, so I don't know. It's funny stuff. But yeah, that's it. Uh, up next, we have we're going to talk about is Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman. Um, I really don't want to talk about this as it's gone on. The storyline's been awful. Braun attacking Tyson at the performance center, and he doesn't have the right to run the ropes or something. That's what he was saying. I don't know. I'm going with Tyson Fury winning this. I don't see Braun winning it, uh, and it's going to kill him in the long run. <laughs> I'm with you. I just don't know how. Is he going to knock him out a uh, vintage Tyson Fury style? I guess, yeah. I don't... Uh, we, we, yeah. We saw them attack each other one time, and then they brought the whole fucking locker room out. And then that thing in the ring. Other than that, I haven't really... I don't know what to expect. Maybe just a classic brawl. You know, when they bring these guys in, it's just five minutes of killing each other. But, I'll, yeah, I'll say Fury gets the win here. I don't know how he doesn't. I think it's going to be an absolute disaster. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's eyes lit up. <laughs> it's gonna be bad. 
It'll be a double DQ, I think. We're going to have like five guys yeah. run out to the <laughs> ring and then they're going to team up together. The Saudi kids will be there. They don't know what the hell's going on. They don't really Are we going to see Fit Finley at any point in the show? <laughs> Imagine. You just see like some random walkout that you don't know who it is. It's just some Saudi like performance talent come out and interrupt him. He's like a big heel, cuts a promo. These two guys go over double DQ. Is it safe to say if anyone comes out, is it the great Kali in Saudi Arabia and takes out Braun Strowman? (laughs) Big Show comes out. Oh, my God. The battle of the big man, battle royal, over the top rope. Have Big Show and Kali come out and say we're the actual monsters and have a tag match and just have Tyson Fury and Braun win. I'm not here for any of it. (laughs) Didn't they do that at, like in 07 on SmackDown? Wasn't there like one of the biggest battle royals ever? It was like Kane, oh, the, Kali, oh, yeah. Big e, Daddy uh, V. It was ECW. ECW. That was to it. copy TNA. The Kane Monsters match. Ball match. All the monsters in it. I think no d- DQ. Kane was the lightest one in that match. At every like time, 320? It was No, the crowd was just so fucking bored. And every time he would get so uh, some momentum, the crowd would be like, oh, it's Kane. Okay, yeah, let's go. Finally, something. That's the luchador of the match. Jumping off the ropes. Who do you think he is? Seven feet, 350. He's the little technician in the match. All right, up next we got Team Hogan versus Team Flair. Probably the highlight of this show for me. Uh, 10-man tag team. You got, for Team Hogan, Captain Roman Reigns with Rusev, Ricochet, Shorty G and Ali, a nice little small team there. And then you got Team Flair. Woo! We got Randy, King Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke, and Drew McIntyre. Who wins this one? This is going to be entertaining. the other one. This is going to be insane from the outside. Hulk Hogan's probably going to take a bump. I hope. Ric Flair is going to fucking blade himself and bleed all over the place. <laughs> Hogan's going to throw those work punches at him. Flair will probably lose his jacket, his shirt, something. And then in the actual match, I'm going to go with Team Hogan. I think Orton and Drew McIntyre, there's going to be a little back-and-forth confrontation between the two. Maybe Orton hits him with an RKO and turns face because they kind of tease it on Raw that those two uh, yeah, they had did. some tension. So I'm going to go with Team Hogan. Yeah, i got to go Team Hogan here. As much as I really want to see an RKO finish this entire friggin' show... You gotta send everyone home happy, so I think Hogan's dropping a leg drop on someone by the end of it. <laughs> I I wanna just see the classic usual result, and that is that Randy Orton comes out on top in these matches all the time. He does, yeah. And uh, he is with his old buddy Ric Flair. I'm just gonna go out and say that Randy Orton wins this match by finally pinning Roman Reigns. Oh to the mat. I think you would pin Shorty. And Ric Flair gets the last laugh. Woo! Nah, no, that's definitely not happening, but yeah, I'll just be different. I'll say Orton gets the final pinfall, and we'll see him get a big push at Mania. He'll, oh, nah, he'll probably face The Rock or something. I don't yeah. know. He'll probably face someone. Rock's not having it, though, apparently. Uh, that's, probably, that's probably <laughs> planned. I think, yeah. I think they're doing it. They're going to give him a few million reasons why. <laughs> It's either okay. I'm gonna call it now. The winner of this, so it's either Roman Reigns or Randy Orton. The winner of this faces the Rocket Mania. There it is. I'd love to see Orton, but it's it can go either way. Roman. There. I'd like to see Roman face the Rock. Actually, uh, maybe not, but whatever. Yeah, it's closing the match. show. That's all I know. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, that would definitely close the show. But what are your thoughts though on no women going to these shows? That's the culture there, I guess. But I think eventually they'll have them on. Maybe the next one. 
I think they've had a few where WWE slowly building a relationship with them, and they'll probably. I think the next one we'll probably see one. But it's weird because like now on the game, like Becky's on the cover, like she's past. She's at that point of stardom where it's yeah. like you, you, like you're one of the top in the company. Why are you not a part of this show? That's why. That's where I'm at. I'm kind of puzzled that Becky is not a part of this show in some capacity. Well, the, there's a fine line between like the show and literally just money. The reason why they're there is like. Yeah, money. <laughs> so, like, you saw last year when they went, they had uh, Renee went over and a couple other, and they were all, they had the full, like, uh, I don't know what they're called. Hijabs they were, Yeah, and they stuff. were all covered. And uh, they, they had Bliss and Sasha at one of the shows, and they were also, so, like, they're slowly progressing, and it would be nice to see over time, but, yeah, it's unfortunate right now. It's just the way it is. Just bring Mandy over, the whoever the hell's in charge there. Like, how can we not put that on the show? They cover her up. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, commentary for that one. We got two more matches to cover. Seth Rollins versus The Fiend in an any false count anywhere. Apparently, the match can end regardless. Uh, yeah, who wins this one? Seth Rollins. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, if you don't want the match to end, just put it in Hell in a Cell. <laughs> false count anywhere. Uh, yeah, Seth Rollins. Because I just have The Fiend win and then two belts on SmackDown. It is the A show, but I don't think. Well, they do they still they still have a uh, a draft pick. They what is this? They they did the trade last week. It was um, when they or when Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross went to SmackDown. Apparently, they got a draft pick. When I saw that, I just started laughing. I'm like, I feel like I just got an update from like the NHL Network yeah. about one of the star <laughs> future. So there is the rumor floating around that that draft pick is the fiend. So it's oh, a steal for SmackDown. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a bliss and Nikki for the fiend, but the <laughs> it's a two for one. So yeah. I don't know. Fire whoever made that. What are you one? talking about, man? Look at Alexa Bliss's career. She's fire. Come on, she's yeah, way she better is. than the fiend right now. <laughs> when you look at like accolades, it's like yeah, like, look at Alexa Bliss. Big and then there's the moments. fiend down here. <laughs> nah, I'm going with I'm going with the fiend winning this. You need a title change in Saudi, and it's gonna be the fiend taking it. How does he win? Does he? Chokes up. He, 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 he bites his neck and blood starts pouring out and then pins him. <laughs> <laughs> or you could finally do the move right and break his neck and end it. Because when says, you break someone's neck and they kick out, it looks fucking weird as shit. <laughs> he does that. Trick or treat, bitch. <laughs> Come on, it's also Halloween yeah. day. The fiend has to win. <laughs> He's wearing a mask for God's sake. He's in the spirit of Halloween. Let's do it. Or you have the big scary monster. Loose to the good guy who burns it down, and then the crowd. Oh my god! I'm together, cr- yay! Mm. And then what do they for Survivor Series if they go with the theme there, Raw vs SmackDown? So you think it's a little soon for Brock versus the Fiend? I don't think they're doing that this year. Oh thank god! I mean, I hope they don't. Yeah, we'll really give that another week until they start promoting yeah. it. Say Shinsuke versus AJ would be down with that. You know what? For the spirit of Halloween, I'm I'm going with the Fiend winning this one. I like it. Different. And then to close the show, we got the most predictable match: Kane Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. Let's just give Kane Velasquez the title. Do it. Just do it. You know how much backlash that would get. Like, yeah. it's already getting backlash. That would already <laughs> even ruin Brock's whole year. Just put Seth Rollins over in three minutes at Mania, twenty minutes at SummerSlam, and you're gonna have him win. That the match title was incredible. Yeah. the one at SummerSlam. It could not have gone gone any better than that and they've managed yeah. to screw it all up and make <laughs> seth rollins beat the fiend at hell in a cell 
Yeah, hold now on. Everyone hates him again. It's one of those where it's like, yeah, let's stop Kofi's six months of great, like a great reign, just to give it to Brock, and then have another UFC guy come back. And it's just to me, it's underwhelming. It doesn't do anything for WWE's product. It really doesn't do anything for Cain Velasquez. I don't think does nothing for Brock Lesnar. So I'm going with Brock Lesnar retaining, and he's probably going to hold the belt till Mania. Blah blah blah. Same thing. Rinse and repeat the last four years. There it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's sad, is it not? Like, it's kind of sad now that you, now that we think about it. I like it. He doesn't need the title. <laughs> just something. Can we just get like a different build to Mania instead of the same thing? Oh, Brock has no one's gonna be Brock. Oh, there. Then then he fucking loses, and then he gets it back two months later. Hey, did you see that segment on SmackDown when Dominic's in the back <laughs> in the trainer's room? He Rey Mysterio. He throws a trash can on him. Ray jumps on his shoulders. He freaking tosses him like a dart off the freaking wall. <laughs> no, Dominic. Ah. <laughs> I love that. He they beat the just, shit out of all of them. I think they should have just done Ray versus Brock at this show. It's all nostalgia for them. People from the past have Ray lose, have Brock and Kane at uh, Survivor Series, but they dropped the ball on this one. Still feel like the. Still feel like we're getting that eventually. Yeah. Ray versus Brock at like some certain point. And it's going to be an absolute squash. Yeah. Like Ray should. Uh, he'll he'll be cleared, quote unquote. I don't. I don't actually know if he's hurt. And then he should just come from behind and rock Lesnar with a chair like 50 times when he's not expecting I want to see that. You have Dominic come out to him. <laughs> oh, my God, it's Ray. Oh, the Mysterio family. So it's going crazy. <laughs> They're beating up the beast. But, uh, yeah, we'll see about the actual match. I don't know. Like, similar to the Fury and Strowman. Yeah. Five minutes of just two meatheads fucking slobbering all over each other. I think this has more potential, though, than... Fury and oh yeah for sure. <laughs> I could see Kane. I could see Kane running at him and just taking an F five and like kicking out at one to start the match. I, I think, think Shelton's gonna come out and help Brock the title. It's the best part. I, I would love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> the thing I actually oh it's uh, Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> the thing I really love about this though is that everything makes sense. It's it random how it like came onto us, but like. He gave him the scar on his eye. He beat him in his first UFC. Like, Shelton has history with uh, Heyman and, like, everything. It ties into one another. Lesnar has history with Bra- with uh, Ray, too. It's going to yeah. be super fucking sloppy, but everything ties in. <laughs> <laughs> Good story. That's all you need. Um, but, yeah, Crown Jewel is this Thursday on Halloween. Probably going to be a – I hope it's going to be okay, but most of these shows are not so good. Yeah. But – uh that's it for this week. Episode 53 is in the books. Make sure to stay tuned and listen to episode 53 on SoundCloud. And we'll be back next week. Reunion or like a competition for you? Uh, it's a family reunion. I mean, there's not many people here. Yeah, it was uh, a day today, Friday. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got a limited crew so far that have been uh, doing the media rounds. But I did just see Edge. Um, He's always been a bit of a mentor for me in breakfast, so it was good to see him catch up. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm from Germany, and in Germany the WWE is on TV as it's never been before, so many hours. And in the US, Fox is bringing WWE to Friday's nights, yes. so it's popular as never before. Why do you think it is so? Um, I mean, 
I guess everyone's finally caught up. I mean, I've been obsessed with wrestling since I was a kid. <clears throat> Obviously, took it so far that now I do it professionally, and it's the only job I've ever had. I'm glad to see the rest of the world is finally caught up. That is the coolest thing in the world. It's awesome that it's getting so much exposure. Like you say, moving to Fox is going to be a huge thing for us and more homes. And just the amount of TV deals across the world in different countries. In some countries that I never thought would ever, the WWE would never reach. But the global footprint is so big and it's so cool that everybody is such a big fan. And it's huge in Germany. So I've spent some time in Germany with WXW. It's like a, a big place when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> You know, the Raw reunion, you were uh, outspoken about the legends that showed up. Just uh, at, when you're going behind the scenes, so when the legends come back, what does it mean for the rest of the roster? It's pretty cool for everybody. I mean, for the ones that have only been there for maybe five, six, seven years or whatever, it's probably the first time meeting a lot of them. But for myself, uh, even though I'm the same age as a lot of the guys and girls, I obviously started younger, I was 21, 22 when I first came to America and was on the roster, so I was with a lot of these people, so it was like a family reunion for me. There was one point I saw all the Divas together <coughs> from 2007, and we were all catching up and I walked up and I remember them all being together in 2007 and I asked them what year it was, it was so crazy to see them all together again and just to catch up with everybody that I was... 22, 23, last time I was around some of them, and now I'm 34. Now 40, like everyone seems to think, yeah, I've been around for so long. <laughs> and like, you know, NXT, you had, when you came back, you went through NXT again and uh, just showed everyone just how great you are in the ring. Now, that experience you had when you were 23, 24 years old, and now 34 years old, what do you think uh, you've learned throughout that time frame? Uh, I mean, I've learned so much. Um, like when I was that age, I was comfortable in the ring, but I guess there was a lot of other things I still had to learn. And I just had to kind of grow up out the ring also, because I was a little bit crazy when I was younger. Um, so the time uh, away from WWE was allowed me to put everything into practice that I'd learned. And really put up or shut up, gave it 100% in the ring and out the ring, in the gym. Um, during media, etc. Just every area of my game I really worked hard on and uh, became the top guy in various companies outside of WWE and proved I could be a top guy, proved I could be a franchise player. And that's why uh, you know I've got these opportunities since coming back to be NXT champion and lead NXT and coming back to Raw in a more prominent position. It's pretty cool because I'm just getting started and plan to keep moving up. transition period it was just such a culture shock uh, to move from the UK straight to America and just quickly try and get acclimated to the American way and the American wrestling style now with uh, you know NXT and NXT UK and uh, various other uh, you know, uh, companies across the world it's a more seamless process to get people ready now like if you're in the UK for example you'll train at the UK Performance Center then you go to NXT and if you're from any other country you go to NXT, you'll develop a character there. That character would generally move to Raw or SmackDown. When I was in FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, you were one character, and then they didn't watch the show. 
then they changed your character, then they put you on TV, then you had to be this new character in front of the world. And NXT, the, the world knows your character from the TV show, and then it's a more seamless process, and everyone's more comfortable. But back in our day, I was supposed to be a model at one point. That was going to be my gimmick moving from FCW. They told me I was going to be the runway man and a model, and I lost all this weight and got all lean. And then they told me, no, no, you're just going to be an ass kicker. Just gain the weight back. I like, what? And that's pretty much like what happened with me because there was no real rhyme or reason to anything, but now there is, and it makes it easier for the guys and girls to deliver. And how much do you think is important to NXT UK for European wrestling, the younger wrestlers? I think it's great. Like I say, back in, I hate saying back in my day because again, I'm 34, but back in my day, there was only two wrestling schools in the whole of the UK. And I'm from Scotland, so I used to have to travel 12 hours just to learn to wrestle. <laughs> There's only those two wrestling skills. And now there's a bunch of different wrestling skills. You know, to get some experience and good wrestling skills. But then when the time is right, if you're good enough and you work hard enough, you get that opportunity to work with NXT UK. Then you learn like, how it works here on the big stage with the cameras, etc. But you still get to be close to home. So you start working at that next stage, and when the time is right, then you move to America. You'll be ready. I like, like my generation, like me. Sink or swim, my generation. And I sunk a few times and had to learn how to swim. <laughs> looking to just jump into the deep end. It's cool that a lot of fans, I appreciate all of the fans that have followed my career, saying, oh, Drew should be doing this, Drew should be doing this, to fight for the Universal title, whatever. As I appreciate all that, but the way I look at it is, there's a big part of the audience that don't know what I'm about yet. So I like the idea of slowly introducing the characters, slowly introducing layers, giving them a little taste of what I can do in the ring, and building that equity with the non-wrestling fans. Like the ones who know, know, I've been around for a while, and you know, this is all I do, and I'm very comfortable in there. The ones who don't know, I enjoy that long-term build. But when I finally fight for the title, um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to mean something, and everyone's going to know what I'm about. And being around guys like Shane, also, I'm learning all the time because, again, this is all he's ever done his entire life. So I get the opportunity to sit under the learning tree while he's also the most paid guy. So it's pretty cool to be out there and have to make sure nobody kills him. <laughs>